What's going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, the last one of 2021. Please like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or your drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. I apologize for the really weird schedule over the last couple of days, boys and Big Apple, and there's a lot of stuff that went into just shifting this to a Wednesday at 1230. So once again, I do apologize, but the holidays are a busy time, spending time with family, doing some other stuff. So once again, my apologies, but thank you guys for the ongoing support. A lot of good things coming in 2022. A more organized Boys Big Apple schedule. Same thing with this schedule and also NYY News being a part of the Twin Build podcast. So there's a lot of stuff to look forward to, but there's also a lot of stuff to reflect on. Let's talk about the New York Giants. 34 to 10 is the final score. And what can I say? What can I say? I, it seems like every loss I come on here and say that. I, if I can go back to at least 8 of the 11 losses this season, or maybe 7, 6 of the 11 losses this season, how many times I can count the amount of times I've said, what can I say? This game was sloppy from the beginning. The Giants had no offensive production at all. Fromm was terrible, and I wanted to see Fromm because I said, you know what, the Giants' season has already gone awry. Mike Lennon's not staying next year. Let's see if Fromm can do anything capable. Well, he shit the bed, and I never made any promises about Jake Fromm. I never said he was going to be a franchise quarterback or a capable quarterback. I said, let's see what he's got, and obviously he didn't pass the test. And Mike Lennon's likely going to start against the Chicago Bears, which is probably going to be a revenge game. But the way Mike Lennon plays, he's probably going to throw three interceptions and one touchdown, probably in garbage time. But it's just upsetting at this point. Sometimes you wait for the season to come, and then when it comes, you would like the season to be over with because, well... Giants are this terrible, but when I look at my alternatives, we don't have the USFL until April. We don't know if we're going to have a baseball season. Basketball, obviously I'm into, but I'm not that into it like my brother is. So there's not a lot of great alternative situations out there. So in a way, you have to appreciate Giants football, but not the production. You just have to appreciate that it's there. We'll talk about a lot of the stuff, offense, defense. I feel like this was another Rams game, to be honest. This was one of the worst quarterback performances I think I've ever watched in my entire life. Probably the worst. Probably the worst. Um, the defense, you know, they tried, and I understand that's a very bad set of terminology. But with that being said, you look at the second half, and I'll go over it when we go over the defense. They were given just terrible field position to start. One drive, which they ended up giving up a touchdown on. Um, you know, that it started at the Philly 25. That was the best field position 
that the defense started at. We'll get into it. You guys will know what I'm talking about. But this was another Rams game because the defense was put in a very bad spot and they don't have their cornerback too. So what are they supposed to do in that situation, right? But I don't know. In ways, I'm done with James Bradbury. I mean, I know he's not the pro bowler that he was last year. But he's just disappointed me. He's just disappointed me. And we'll see what happens when Aaron Robinson and Adoree Jackson come back. Hopefully that's this week because... I want to see some just dominant play on the outside, and I'm not going to say that we're going to torch the offense for the Chicago Bears and whatever. I'm not going to have any high expectations for any side of the ball, but it would be nice to see Dory Jackson out there. It would be nice to see Aaron Robinson out there and see what you have. I want to see Darnay Holmes come off of the injured reserve, but I guess that's out for the season. So, it is what it is. And you take a look at the yardage that Philadelphia is an offense put up against us. You look at the rushing offense and the passing offense, it's nothing. It was all about field position in the second half. It was all about wasted opportunities. And this is what this team has been all year, a ball of mental errors and wasted opportunities. So let's get into the stats. <sighs> Mike Lennon. 17 of 27, 93 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Pick six, by the way, by one of the worst linebackers in the league, Alex Singleton. And I'm not being salty. He's just generally a bad linebacker. Jake Fromm, 6 of 17 for 25 yards. That's 1.5 per attempt, which is probably the worst any quarterback has tried this year. He was sacked twice and threw a pick if I didn't mention that already. Jalen Hurts, 17 for 29, 199 yards, two touchdowns, was sacked only once. That was the beginning of the game, one of the first two drives that Philly had. Rushing game for the Giants, Saquon Barkley, 15 carries, 32 yards. His longest carry was a seven-yard gain. Gotta love the offensive line, and... The running game production. Devontae Booker, two, uh, not two carries. Six carries, 27 yards, 4.5 pop. I'm not going to take that as, oh, well, Booker had a good game because when it actually meant something, the running game couldn't do anything. Whether it's Barkley's fault, Booker's fault, the offensive line's fault, that was all garbage time. Jake Fromm, three rushes for 12 yards. Glennon rushed twice for 11 yards and Elijah Penny had a rush for two yards Philadelphia rushing game Miles Sanders seven carries 45 yards 6.4 uh, per pop he left with an injury I believe in the second quarter and did not return Boston Scott had a touchdown of course because he likes to kick the crap out of the Giants for some reason but that's where he succeeds that's where he succeeds 12 carries, 41 yards, about 3.4 per pop. Jordan Howard had 9 carries for 37 yards. And Jalen Hurts had 2 rushes for 7 yards. And you take a look at the total statistics for the Philadelphia rushing, if that's the first best offense in the league, 4.3 yards per carry, 30 rushes, 130 yards. And we gave up more rushing yards the last time. A turnover would have been nice. 
But at the same time, with the way the defensive style looked and the way the defense played, I can't ask them commit a turnover. Try to force a turnover. Because the offense would have just kicked the field goal or punted it. It's what it would have been. Kadarius Tony nine targets. Some of those throws were just off. And that was quarterback play at its finest. Missing wide open wide receivers. Four receptions. 28 yards. Kenny Galladay, three receptions, 22 yards. Well, eight targets. Devontae Booker, four Receptions, 19 yards. Elijah Penny, four receptions, 18 yards. Evan Ingram, four receptions, 17 yards. Slayton had a catch for seven. Chris Myrick had a catch for six. And David Sills had a catch for five. Farrah Cooper and Kyle Rudolph were held without a catch, but had one target each. And Saquon Barkley had one target, which was supposed to be a screenplay, but the wide receivers could not block. Philadelphia received a game. Nothing too bad there was that 146 yard play to Devonta Smith that James Bradbury should have just seen better he should have played it better you minus that from the 80 yards that's what 34 yards on five receptions you can't complain about that so you take that away and Devonta Smith probably is not the leading receiver but once again you can't go back in the past and change the past Devonta Smith though he had five receptions for 80 yards and a touchdown Nice toe-tap touchdown. I know there was some controversy over the call or reviewing it twice. I don't care personally. I mean, the refs are bad in the NFL. The refs are bad in sports. But with that being said, you have to waddle around the problems that the refs make. That, you know, the refs, they, you know, whatever they do, whatever they do. I'm rumbling here and I'm mumbling and doing all this bullshit. But with that being said, you have to work around it. You can't just say, oh, well, you know, the refs cost us this. No, 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 no. There's tens of mistakes, possibly hundreds, in games where you could say, oh, well, you know, I should have done this. And it wasn't really the ref's fault. It was just player execution. But with that being said, I'm not blaming the refs for anything. They may be terrible. They may have gotten that wrong. I don't know. I don't care because the Giants still lost by 24, and that would have been only 17 without the touchdown. Quez Watkins, four receptions, 43 yards. Dallas Goddard, two receptions, 28 yards. Jordan Howard, two receptions, 19 yards. Jalen Rager had two receptions, 15 yards. Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders both caught passes, just one each. And then Lane Johnson caught a touchdown, five-yard touchdown. So that was obviously a trick play they wanted to try. And listen, they got it. They can do what they want. In terms of fumbles, Jake Fromm fumbled once. It was recovered by Kadarius Toney. It was when Matt Parrott was beat off the edge by, by, I believe it was Josh Sweat. And that was the fumble. Jalen Hurts fumbled, but it was recovered, I believe, by one of the offensive players. I forget. I think it was Goddard or Gainwell. But Lorenzo Carter forced the fumble. I think Goddard was the one who picked it up. And Gainwell fumbled, and Arcega Whiteside picked that one up, I believe. So they tried forcing turnovers, but could not recover the football. And in terms of interceptions, I already mentioned Alex Singleton, Rodney McLeod got the interception off of Jake Fromm. In terms of team stats, 
The Eagles had 17 first downs. The Giants had 15. They had nine passing first downs. The Giants had eight. Giants had four rushing first downs. The Eagles had six. The Giants had three first downs for penalties. The Eagles had two. Third down efficiency. The Giants were eight for 20. And then the Eagles were five for 13. In terms of fourth down efficiency, the Giants were one for two. Eagles were 0 for 1. That was towards the end of the game, though, so it's really 0 for 0 in meaningful time. In terms of total plays, Giants ran 73, which is not surprising to say the slightest. Eagles ran 60 plays. Total yardage. This one's a great one. Giants 192 yards, 324 yards for the Eagles. Total drives, Giants ran 13, the Eagles ran 12. Yards per play, this one's also a good one. 2.6 yards per play for the New York Giants. And then 5.4 yards per play for the Philadelphia Eagles. In terms of red zone attempts, Giants were one for one, but that was garbage time. Garbage time touchdown, Evan Ingram. Giants just love garbage time. They just love garbage time. I bet you if garbage time touchdowns were an actual stat, the Giants would probably lead. And if there was such thing as the garbage time bowl or a contest, how many touchdowns can you score in garbage time? The Giants would probably be at the top of that list. And then the Eagles were three for six in the red zone. The defense made a couple of nice stops. And once again, the field position really was not on their side. In terms of penalties... The Giants had 6 for 40 yards, and the Eagles had 11 for 79 yards. Two turnovers, obviously, two interceptions. Time of possession was on the Giants' side by only a couple of seconds, 30-52 to 29 weight. But a lot of that was garbage time, so that's, that's where it stands. And I should really consider renaming this podcast the Garbage Time Podcast because... If I mainly talk the Giants on here, it's garbage time. Garbage time podcast. I think I should consider that. Honestly, I might make that a poll or something. Garbage time podcast. That's just an idea, folks. For the defensive side of the ball, some players that stood out. Jalen Smith made a couple of tackles. I thought he played nicely. He got more snaps than Reggie Ragland, probably Bernard McKinney combined. Lorenzo Carter had one sack, a forced fumble, a pass deflection, and a quarterback hit. That was all in the first half. The defense really quieted in the second half. Didn't really make too many impact plays. But Lorenzo Carter did have a nice first half, at least from what I saw. So he's possibly working on a veteran minimum second contract or something like that with this team or another team. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Ellerson Smith and Leo Williams, as in Leonard Williams, obviously, if you don't know the name, had a quarterback hit each. Ellerson Smith had a quarterback hit on a screen, which I believe was tipped by Lorenzo Carter, so that's possible. And Dexter Lawrence had two quarterback hits. He's getting to the quarterback more within the last few games, but I just don't like him playing out of the defensive end spot. Not the defensive interior spot. I'm talking defensive end where he's like rushing the right tackle. Does not make a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, he can win sometimes because of his weight, but he's not necessarily quick. That's the problem. We'll see how long this podcast episode goes because with the way it's going right now and us discussing the same old shit, 
And we'll talk about Joe Judge at the end as well a little bit. Not too many things to take away because you guys know my thoughts already. But we'll see how long this goes. It's probably not going to be a super long one. And it's better for you guys because you guys get to hear me mumble and jumble less about this garbage-ass football team. In terms of the offense, Glennon was better than Fromm. Does not mean much. No running game. Inaccurate passes or blown-up screens that put the Giants in hell. The offensive line gave up two sacks, multiple blitzes and pressures. Matt Parrotter's ACL and Corey Cunningham fills in. So I didn't necessarily remark it in the last episode because it was recorded before the announcement. But Danny Shelton and Nate Solder both went on the COVID list because they tested for, uh, positive for COVID. And Matt Parrot was expected to be the starter. And obviously rotations among the defensive linemen. I think David Moa played a couple of snaps, mostly in garbage time because the game was over from there. Competing for 60 minutes, right? Competing for 60 minutes? Totally. Thank you, Joe. But with that being said, let's just go over each takeaway. Lennon was better than Fromm. I mean, yeah, but that doesn't mean much as I put it. I mean, this is the 2018 Washington football team. If you guys don't remember, Alex Smith got hurt for the rest of the year. Then they put in Colt McCoy. He tore his ACL or did whatever. Then they put in Mark Sanchez. Then they put in Josh Johnson. So there's the summary of the 2018 Washington football team, which looks a lot like this team. And honestly, I think the Washington football team in 2018 probably had a better team than this one. And with that being said, let's see. I was just going to make a point and I forgot about it. They probably had a better team. They probably actually had more wins. Let me take a look at it right now because I'm pretty sure they had more wins that year. And obviously some of that could be allocated to Alex Smith. Not the Washington Huskies, of course. So they went 7-9. and nine. Now, I forget the game where Alex Smith got hurt. But the only game they won down the stretch with the backup quarterbacks was against the Jaguars on December 16th in Week 15. So there's that. But they lost a lot of games in blowouts and all that stuff. But they still had more wins as a team before the injuries. So, you know, maybe that wasn't the most talented team in the NFC East at the time, whatever the case may be. But they still won more games before the injuries hit, before Alex Smith got injured. We won, what, four games before Daniel Jones got hurt? And it's probably going to stay at four for the rest of the season, you know, which makes a lot of the draft people right in terms of, oh, well, you know, we got to root for the draft picks. Well, I don't believe in that philosophy because if you keep rooting – for losses and rooting for draft picks, I mean, where's that going to get you? Honestly, where's that going to get you if you just constantly root for draft picks? And then what if your general manager does not get it right? What if Joe Judge picks the wrong guy next year? What if Kevin Abrams or John Dorsey, who's another candidate that's out there that the Giants are looking at for some reason, to be honest with you? I don't agree with it. I don't agree with the other guy they're interviewing or planning on interviewing. I think it's Alonzo something. From the Seattle Seahawks, and the last couple of years, the Seattle Seahawks have been garbage. They've been scratching and clawing for the playoffs. I don't remember the last time they won a division. I don't remember the last time they won the West. Sorry. And I'm not saying they have to be Super Bowl contenders every year, but the Seahawks, I think, have one more win than the New York Giants. 
one more win. If not, and if they have the same record, that's even sadder. Because you're taking a personnel executive from the Seattle Seahawks and saying, okay, come to New York, you can help us fix the problems. What problems did so-and-so fix over there or try to fix? John Dorsey. I mean, I personally believe the narrative that there's a lot of GMs out there who are older and they like to run up the cap. Like Dave Gettleman and all these other guys. John Dorsey, I believe, was one of those guys in Cleveland and towards the end of his tenure in Kansas City, which he did probably better things in Kansas City than he did in Cleveland. He only got, I think, what, two years in Cleveland? He drafted Baker Mayfield, a lot of these other moves. But the Giants are just living in 1984. And I've had several arguments and several debates about, oh, well, you know, the philosophy, it's not outdated. It's, it's very outdated, actually, because when you're playing the field position game and constantly relying on the defense, I mean, nothing gets done, especially when your offense doesn't produce. That's not today's NFL, folks. That is 1984 NFL, where a defense like the New York Giants or so-and-so, they could win you 9-10 games. That's not the NFL of today where you actually need a competent quarterback you need a competent offensive line you need a competent running game you need a competent offense overall because some of these teams can get away with bad defensive performances because they know the offense is going to pick them up i don't know where i was going with this in terms of the offensive takeaways but i just went on a tangent there hope you guys enjoyed it no running game i mean that's just a product of the offensive line jonathan gannon knew what to do he knew what to do because he knew that Jake Fromm was starting his first NFL game and he knew he was going to be nervous. So what he did was he blitzed the shit out of the quarterback. He blitzed the shit out of the quarterback. He disguised him with a couple of different looks. And the pressure got there because other than Andrew Thomas, who had a few bad snaps, but that was it. Other than a few bad snaps by Thomas, the whole offensive line just was terrible again. And we'll be saying that for the next two games and... Hopefully next year, it's a little bit better. It's not going to be fixed in one year, but it's a little bit better, hopefully. And we get Hernandez out of here. We get Price out of here. We get Corey Cunningham out of here. We get Skur out of here. Hopefully get actual competent starters. But that's part on Joe Judge and definitely Dave Gettleman because they raced at the waiver wire to go out and get Ben Bredesen and Matt Skur and Billy Price. They raced because they knew they didn't have the depth. And the depth coming into the preseason wasn't good. And we could all tell that. Maybe Jonathan Harrison would have been a good backup center. And some of these other guys. But Jackson Barton, no way he was going to be the swing tackle. No way was Brett Hedgie or Jake Burton making the roster as a Nick Gates dark horse candidate like 2018, 2019, 2020. No way that was happening. Because they you just didn't see that in college with them. They're not fighters like Nick Gates is. And Nick Gates is an average, solid, above-average center, and he's a fighter, but you don't see that in Brett Hagee and Jake Burton, especially going back to the preseason. Ted Larson was going to be the uh, swing guard? No. They should have just, once again, drafted offensive linemen, whether it be depth or whether it be starters. But once again, that's a debate we can have 100 times out of 100 and still come back to the same talking point. Inaccurate passes or blown up screens put the Giants in hell. I mean, the penalties were a stinging part, but just the inaccurate passes, 
some of the screen plays, the forced fumbles, offensive execution, absolutely poor. And it kind of tells us a little bit, and I actually don't believe Daniel Jones is the franchise guy. You could ask me that two weeks ago. You could ask me that three weeks ago. You could ask me after the Tampa uh, Tampa Bay game. You go back in time and ask me, do you think Daniel Jones is the franchise quarterback after the Tampa Bay game? I would have said no. Because I came to the realization that he's not the guy. And I was a big Daniel Jones guy coming into this year. But my point is that Daniel Jones, in ways, and I'm not saying this is totally acceptable, did wonders with this offense, even though it was only one game under Freddie Kitchens, when Jason Garrett was the play caller, because this was the same similar offensive line as they played in the Saints game, as they played in some of the other games that they won. So I don't understand why the execution so bad. Probably because Freddie Kitchens is either a bad play caller or his play calling is not hiding the bad player execution. It's more advanced probably. And these guys on the roster, this offensive line, some of these receivers that we have on the roster, they are not adapted to that, which obviously makes it a bigger clusterfuck. Offensive line gives up two sacks, multiple blitzes and pressures. I mean, this offensive line is bad. We've talked about it over and over again. They sent multiple blitzes. They pressure Jake Fromm and Mike Glenn because they know that those guys are not getting out of the pocket. And even Fromm, yeah, he did rush three times for 12 yards getting out of the pocket. But with that being said, some of the times he just took the sack. I think it was once he did take the sack. He, he went back, he went back, he didn't throw it away, but he took the sack, and Joe Judge was yelling at him on the sideline. Very rightfully so, because just throw it away, you live another down, but I think it was third or fourth down, the Giants could not come out of that, and they punted. Matt Parrott tears ACL, Cunningham fills in. I feel really bad for Matt Parrott, obviously, at times he really didn't produce this season when he was given the opportunity of right tackle, left tackle. He should have been playing very much sooner. Nate Solder should have been out of there. And whether or not you believe, oh, Matt Parrott's good, he's bad, he's the future, he's not the future, they should have given him the starting job after a while because you would have been able to evaluate him on a long-term basis, whether he was going to be the uh, franchise right tackle, whether he was going to be a swing tackle, whether he was going to be a capable tackle next year. But obviously, this type of injury is really not preventable. So he tears his ACL, he's going to be out. For the rest of the year and next year he's probably going to have some trouble coming into camp and honestly i would have seen him possibly getting another chance with the giants had he not torn his acl he tore his acl so he's probably next year going to get cut and another team will probably pick him up and put him on the practice squad and that will be another failed pick by the new york giants and Corey cunningham that's the best we got at right tackle and i just don't understand even at the end of the game, why didn't you put in Isaiah Wilson? He was called up as a COVID replacement. And you could not put him in for Will Hernandez. Just for a few snaps. We would have accepted as fans, and I understand they're not trying to uh, have us fans evaluate. Because obviously, we are fans, fanatics, for a reason. We root for the team. We don't evaluate the team. Obviously, if we're on YouTube and doing all this other shit, we're evaluating the team for other fans to see not for the Giants to see but we would have accepted hey Isaiah Wilson you know he hasn't gotten much snaps in the NFL he's playing bad because he hasn't been in an actual game in how long so we'll give him the pass a little bit 
But a lot of people knew that about Jake Fromm, and hence he performed terribly. But Isaiah Wilson, I mean, what if the next GM from the outside, like John Dorsey or Alonzo, whatever his name is from Seattle, or another GM says, you know what, I really don't want to save a spot for Isaiah Wilson. I don't think this project is worth anything for the future. Joe Judge will have wasted his time then. Isaiah Wilson would have wasted his time then. And Isaiah Wilson might be out of the NFL after that because no team will probably give him another chance. We'll see what happens. I wish the best for Isaiah Wilson, though, in many ways possible. So the defense did do well in the first half. They allowed 25 yards on the first four drives, which is about 6.2 yards per drive. That's very good, especially with the running game. They really shut it down. Within the first few drives, which is something that they really succeeded on meeting the Eagles the last time they faced us. So good job by then. Um, They were given a bad hand in the second half and still managed to give up touchdowns in some ways. And touchdown after prom interception. So let me go over the field position, the starting field position for the Philadelphia Eagles in all of the second half. NYG 25. That was where they started. Their first drive of the second half. Let's pull it up. So that happened to be an interception two plays in. That was the Jake Fromm interception. So their next starting field position. The New York Giants 21-yard line. Why is that, you ask? Because Riley Dixon punts it to the Eagles 40. And Jalen Rager returns it for 39 yards. So much for being a special teams guru, Joe Judge. So much for that. But the defense, they held them to a field goal. So you know what? I'll give the defense credit there. The next one was the Philadelphia 43-yard line, which still is close to midfield. And that's good field position for the Eagles to start at, which they got a touchdown. It was a touchdown that was the controversial one, Devonta Smith, the one that was reviewed over and over again, whatever the freaking case may be. Then the next drive, it was a long touchdown drive. That's where you can actually blame the defense because they started, meaning the Eagles at their own 25. They went 75 yards for the touchdown. Lane Johnson caught the touchdown. Trick play. Then the next drive, you got the pick six by Alex Singleton. So there's that. And then the final one, they started started at the 50-yard line. So... I can't say the defense did excellent, but they were definitely dealt a bad hand where bad opportunities wasted and whatever the case may be for the offense, they just blew it over and over and over again like they have been all season. And, you know, the defense really couldn't save themselves. They couldn't stop the Eagles so many times. They couldn't save the offense because guess what? The offense didn't do that for the defense. Hasn't been doing it for all, uh, the defense all season. So, there's that. Um, let me see if I got anything else to recap. Yeah. So, just some quick notes on Joe Judge. We've been going about 30-something minutes here. Don't mean to take up much of your time left. So, playing the field position game with a bad punter. I mean, being aggressive in garbage time absolutely does nothing, as I said. I should probably rename this podcast to the Garbage Time Podcast. Or, with that being said, if the Giants entered a Garbage Time Touchdown Contest, if they were down by 30, they'd probably win. They'd probably get the most touchdowns in Garbage Time because that's when the offense matters. 
and playing field position with a bad punter. I mean, people are talking about, oh, you got to play field, uh, field position battles, you know, when the offense for the other team is not doing good. Well, the Eagles turned it around in the second half, and your punter is garbage. And Joe Judge came out in a pressure and said, yeah, well, we're not going to replace Dixon, but he does need to play better. Don't put yourself in the position. Don't do that. Sure up things on offense and be aggressive because what are you being conservative for with a 4-11 football team? Be aggressive on offensive side of the ball with, I understand, you know, you got some props as wide receivers and offensive linemen. But it's just ridiculous. You're playing the field position game with a bad punter and then the defense ends up paying for it because the punter shanks every punt he gets a chance to kick. 8 of 11 losses have a 10 plus point deficit. I mean, that's all you got to say about this team. That's really all you have to say. Last year, the Giants did more with less. They won more games. They were competitive in more games. That's the moral victories we looked at and we were proud of last year. Oh, we competed with this team. We competed with that team. We competed with this team. This was the year that the New York Giants were supposed to be a playoff team. And I understand. Joe Judge was put in a position where some of the time he really didn't set a foundation. Or I should say there was no foundation set. Whatever the case may be. He got his players in the last two years, so you can't really say, oh, well, you know, he doesn't have a foundation right now. He does have a foundation right now. It's not working for him. But even if 7 and 10, 8 and 9, 6 and 11 maybe, I will somewhat take that and say, okay, well, this team needs to do better on this standpoint. Maybe bring in a new GM, do whatever the hell you want to. Joe Judge should get a third year because the team either did the same as last year or just improved only a little bit in terms of wins and stuff like that. But this team is on pace to not win another game. They're on pace to lose 13 games. And with that being said, 8 of their 11 losses have been by 10 or more points, which once again tells you that they're playing aggressive in garbage time, and they're not staying in games. And I don't want to hear the excuses from fans and whoever, oh, well, you know, this team's still playing for Joe Judge. Really? Because how many losses have been blowouts this year? Let's count on one hand. It's going to get to two hands soon. I bet you that, guys. So you got the Dallas game. You got the Rams game. You got the Bucks game. You got the Chargers game. You got the Eagles game. That's five blowouts. Let me pull it up on Instagram real quick. I went over this on the Boys and Big Apple podcast. Uh, with Donald Stewart and uh, what's-his-face, my brother. I don't know why I said what's-his-face, but that's recording at 11.46 at night for you. But here is an eyeballing stat. The Giants had six losses of 20-plus points from 2015 to 2019 with four different head coaches. Tom Coughlin, Ben McAdoo, Steve Spagnuolo, and Pat Shermer. The Giants have had five losses of 20-plus points under Joe Judge. Now, I actually didn't look at this, or did I, the right way, because it says under Joe Judge, and that could go back to last year. But let's see, the Dallas game, that was, what, 44 to 30 or 20-something? Let me take a look. I apologize for not being too prepared. 
20 to 44. So that's 20. Chargers game. So let's look that up real quick. I'm sorry. I must be just having short-term memory loss here. That was 21-37. So that was 16. But we all know that was a goddamn blowout. That was garbage time production. The Eagles game definitely. The Bucks game definitely. And the Rams game definitely. So five blowouts this year. Four of those being... 20 point or more margins. Really, you can say the Chargers game as well because they scored two touchdowns in garbage time. It is what it is. But also, whether it's bad on the defense, bad on the offense, it's a team effort, 31 unanswered points. How do you explain that? How do you explain that to anybody? 31 unanswered points. Just lack of preparedness. I mean, Jesus Christmas. I don't care where you got Mike where you got Mike Glennon a quarterback, you got Jake Fromm. We did more with less last year. Probably a little bit better of an offensive line because we had Kevin Zeitler and Nick Gates. In terms of quarterbacks, Colt McCoy ain't nothing special. So he's probably on the same level, has a weaker arm strength than Mike Glennon. But you're telling me you did more with less last year. And then some upgrades this year. You have 8 of 11 losses with 10 plus points or more in terms of a deficit. And then 31 unanswered points in this game. But people want to tell me that Joe Judge should return next year. He should get a chance to pick his GM. He should get a chance to draft some players. And... I don't know. I'm not going to continue rambling because it's the same talking points all over again. Like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when live stream pops a few drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Obviously, uh, I apologize for rambling some of the time and going off tangents, but it's the same shit every week. It's probably going to be that way for the last two games of the season. We'll see if we win another game. I'm not betting on it. I'm not excited for draft position because... I'm not a guy who roots for tanking and who roots for their teams to lose. I think it's pretty stupid if you ask me. But if this team does lose the next two games, it's good for draft position, but I'm not going to root for that. We are where we are at the end of the season. That's the way I'm going to take it. And if we win one more game or we win the next two by surprise, it'll go positive on Joe Judge's record. And once again, guys, I don't root for anyone to fail on the New York Giants. I don't root for anyone to fail because it's my favorite football team. It's what I come on here. I come on here to talk about my team and hope they succeed, but give you guys the facts. So like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when live stream pops or drops. Let's get to 400 on YouTube. We're at 332 right now. And follow the podcast on Spotify, Podbean, whatever. Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. We only have one rating so far of five out of five so please give us a rating tell us what you think peace out guys see you later stay cool and i will see you guys in 2022